so this morning we're going to continue studying Judges. We are at the birth of Samson in chapter 13, where we will look at verses 1 to 14. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children. But you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband... A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God, very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the, day, from the womb to the day of his death." Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? And what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean thing. All that I have commanded her, let her observe. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true, given to us in love for our good. We find yet again the cycle of decline, defeat, and deliverance repeating itself. In this passage, we find the Israelites in the prelude to deliverance. Jephthah has died after delivering the people from the Ammonites and quelling internal strife with the Ephraimites. Upon his death, there arose three judges, Ibsen, Elon, and Abdon. And though their combined judgeship lasted a mere 25 years, 
it would appear that the purpose of their judgeships was simply a matter of eternal, internal affairs. We don't read of any outside conflict or threats to Israel during this time. But it doesn't take long before the people derail themselves, falling into idolatry. In verse 1, where it reads, the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, that's a reference to their historic sin, Baal worship. The idea of idolatry for the Jews was born of their desire for assimilation. But the gods of the people were not the God of Israel. And the Israelites had to learn the hard way that Baal is not a very faithful God. His worship only and always led to bondage, never to freedom. What connects us to the original audience is that we too are prone to wander, as the song says. We can easily become apathetic to the Lord, and we too need a deliverer, one set apart from the womb, dedicated to a singular purpose of doing the will of the Lord, who will fight a battle on our behalf. We shall examine this passage to see God's covenant faithfulness through decree and providence under three headings. A determination, a consecration, and a confirmation. This leads us to our first heading, a determination, verses 1 through 3. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. We see here where the periods of judgment for idolatry began to get longer and longer. This time it's at the hands of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were a newer and would prove to be a longer-term, more lasting threat to God's people. Where Jephthah had dealt with enemies from the east, the Philistines were a threat from the south. Just two miles separated them from the border of the tribe of Dan. Now, the Philistines had originally been a maritime people originating probably from the Isle of Crete, and they had established themselves on the coastal plain of Palestine. They were merchant seamen. However, gradually they sought to extend their influence inland. Initially, this seems to have been achieved through intermarriage and trade, and this would explain why the people of Judah did not see them as a threat at first. 
Shamgar had been raised by the Lord to alert the people of Israel to the danger, but his example was soon forgotten. Israel was in danger of being eliminated as a distinct people without anyone appearing to notice what was happening. Now, notice with me. As opposed to past deliverances where the people cried out to the Lord because of their distress, no mention of that is made here. None whatsoever. The fact is that the people had given up. They'd given up on the Lord, they'd given up on his promises, and they had become just fine in their servitude. They had become content with it. And we later read in the book of Judges that they were surprised that anyone would suggest otherwise. Where they had once possessed the land of the Philistines and the great cities of the coast through their own sinful habits they not only lost possession of the philistine lands but they had developed a dependence upon the philistines here we read of a deliverance that was to take place and this deliverance would come without repentance on behalf of the people this will be a running theme both in the history of Israel and in the life of Samson as well. Deliverance without repentance. Now in the midst of this, we're introduced to a childless couple. The angel of the Lord pays the wife a visit announcing that she's going to have a son. Now though she's not named here, we read in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 that her name is Zelelponai. Now, the passage doesn't read that they were an elderly couple, just childless. Infertility is a real thing. But it's not a barrier to the Lord. We see God throughout the scriptures using barrenness. Sarah, Hannah, Elizabeth. There is a humility and a fragility that comes with barrenness that the Lord uses. Now, I would be remiss if I did not say that I know how difficult infertility can be for some couples. Many deal with it, and it may seem like the hand of God is against you. Infertility is not a curse. It's just that God, in his wisdom, has chosen to bless couples to be fruitful in other ways course of adoption is always an option but here the Lord showed up and he addresses Manoah's wife he addresses not only her condition but through her the condition of Israel as well both we could say were struggling with the same thing barrenness one physical one spiritual she had not been able to conceive, and though Israel had the good seed of the word planted and watered, they had yielded but thorns and thistles. The Lord comes to this woman and declares that he is aware of the condition of Israel as well as her own condition, and that through her he will deliver Israel and heal the land. 18th century 
Lutheran, Lutheran pastor and theologian Gotthelf Stark puts it like this. God cares for his people when they are in misery and often thinks of their redemption before they think of it themselves. Friends, what we've read echoes our own experience in redemption. We were not looking for the Lord. We were spiritually barren in bondage to sin. This passage clearly echoes the doctrine of election, where God unilaterally initiates redemption on behalf of his people. This is done apart from any foreseen deeds of the people and without any merit in the people. The Lord took it upon himself to deliver us, a stiff and hard-hearted people, dead to him and alive to sin. He, he interrupted our sin without any prompting and promised deliverance from darkness into light. The Lord condescends from the heavenlies on behalf of wicked sinners, not because of any worth that they think they may have, but because he has counseled with himself and determined to do so. This leads us to our second heading, a consecration. Verse 4, therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name, but he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So the Lord tells the woman that she is not to drink any wine or strong drink nor eat or touch anything unclean. He tells her that her son is to be a Nasir of God. Nasir, translated, consecrated that is, he is to be utterly devoted to the Lord. Now, Moses writes of this in Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, the vow of consecration, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink, and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes, flesh or dried. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head, until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of his hair, locks of hair of his head grow long. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body, not even his father or his mother or brother or sister. If they die, shall he make himself unclean because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. 
Now, the difference we read of the institution of the Nasir with Moses and the institution of the Nasir with Samson is that with Moses, it was only a temporary status. It was a vow taken for a period of time whereby one's focus was solely on the Lord and they were separated unto him for a period. But for Samson, this was to be his entire life. Every aspect of his life was to be devoted and set apart to the Lord. Samson, as it were, was to be a walking altar of God with his flowing hair, a visible token of his consecration, serving as a reminder both to himself and to the people of his sacred devotion. His abstinence from alcohol, not touching anything unclean, and his long hair were to be outward representations of an inward consecration. Now, the woman receives the word given to her and then goes and repeats to her husband what had been told to her. So, friends, the question begs to be asked, why were none of the previous judges consecrated in the manner Samson was? Gideon, Jephthah, Othniel, Barak, None of them were consecrated in such a way. In what ways was Samson to be different than these guys? Well, I think a couple of things stand out. First, the other judges arose when the tribes of Israel repented and turned to the Lord with their whole hearts. They sought a deliverer out of the severity of their distress. By the time we get to this passage here, in Samson's day, the situation is different. They were oppressed, but they were unrepentant. The other judges fought battles alongside the people of God. But we read here where Samson will fight his battles alone. Second, the other judges were chosen for their offices as mature men. But Samson is set apart as an unborn child. The other judges were to an extent prepared for their work even before their election as a judge. Ehud was a Benjamite. Deborah was a prophetess. Gideon was a strong man in his own right. Jephthah, a successful military leader. When the Spirit of God came upon them, they became deliverers and judges. In Samson, God makes it known that his grace is able to save Israel even when such persons are not to be found. From his very infancy, the sense of his vocation and calling defined him. It molded him, preparing him for what he was to do. The sin and the apathy of the people required a not typical deliverer, one consecrated from the womb who would fight on behalf of the people as none of the people were willing to do so themselves. 
Verse 5 says that he will begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Interesting language. Signifying that his deliverance will not be complete. The text reads that the Philistines oppressed Israel 40 years. Samson only judged his people for 20. He was anointed to restore Israel, but it would not be a full and final victory. 19th century Anglican Bishop Christopher Wordsworth put it like this. Samson is a type of Christ, and in all those things where Samson fails, there Christ excels. Samson began to deliver Israel, but did not affect their deliverance. He declined from his good, beginning, his good beginnings and fell all, for, fell all the way first into sin and then into the hands of the enemy. But Christ not only began to deliver Israel, but was able to say on the cross, it is finished. Friends, Samson looks forward in anticipation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was also sent to an unrepentant people. He was consecrated in the womb, filled with the Holy Spirit, and empowered to defeat our enemies which held us in bondage. Sin, the flesh, death. As a judge called and anointed from the womb, Samson would single-handedly bring about a great deliverance, yet in his flesh, he was to suffer extreme humiliation upon his death. Our Lord Jesus was likewise anointed for the womb and likewise suffered extreme humiliation all the way to the point of his death. Samson sinned in his temptations. Christ was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was also anointed on behalf of his people to defeat our enemies, and his victory is accounted to us. In him we are the consecrated as well, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, called from darkness into his marvelous light. In such a way, we are set apart, having been made holy through the indwelling Spirit of God. The church is the New Testament Nasir of God. This leads us to our final heading, a confirmation. Verses 6 through 13. Then the woman came and told her husband, a man of God came to me and his appearance was like the appearance of an angel of God, very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from and he did not tell me his name, but he said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to teach to, to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. Verse 9, and God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? 
And he said, I am. Manoah said, now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life? What is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Now Manoah was not with his wife when she encountered the Lord. When she told him what happened, she emphasized the fact that the visitor had come from God, not knowing that the visitor was the Lord himself. She then goes to tell her husband, recanting what the Lord had told her word for word. But this was not sufficient for her husband. He then prays that the Lord would send the man again. The Lord graciously obliges, but not in the manner that Manoah was thinking. What the Lord does is he appears to his wife a second time while Manoah is working in the fields. She hurries to fetch him, and when he asks the Lord for instruction, he simply repeats what he had told his wife. Now, Manoah's response was very different from his wife's. He's asking, how are we to raise a Nazarite from birth? See, friends, the Mosaic law only made provision for such vows for a specific time, not for the course of an entire life. Manoah was not asking God how he was going to do this. What he was asking was, how were they to obey the Lord? Such a concern never crosses the mind of his wife. She was not concerned with the how. She had borne the burden of childlessness, a mark of disgrace at the time. And however the Lord would have given her a child, she would gladly have met the requirements. Manoah was concerned about the means, and Selelponai was only concerned about the end. The what God does and how he does that can best be summed up by our confession of faith and the shorter catechism. From the fifth chapter of the confession, God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least. By his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. Although in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, the first cause, all things come to pass immutably and infallibly, yet by the same providence he ordereth them to fall out according to the nature of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or contingently. God in his ordinary providence maketh use of means, yet is free to work without, above, and against them at his pleasure. The shorter catechism puts it like this. Question, what are the decrees of God? Answer, 
The decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Question, how doth God execute his decrees? His decrees? Answer, God executeth his decrees in the works of creation and in providence. So friends, what we've read is telling it gives us insight into the Lord, how he assures creatures his word, as well as how creatures who are operating from two totally different perspectives approach his word. Now, friends, I believe in Zelelponai, we see those visionaries who operate in keeping with God's decree. And with Manoah, those who operate in keeping with providence. We see how Zelelponai received the word of God compared to how Manoah received the word of God. We see they both believed the word from the Lord, but they came from two different perspectives. Zelelponai was not concerned with how the Lord was going to accomplish his word. She was just that elated that the Lord was going to do something with her. She was focused on the decree, God said. Manoah was more concerned about his obligation in response to God's word. He was focused on providence. Or what does this look like practically? Friends, does this not typify the dynamic of the church? There are those of us more concerned with the what of God's word, and yet others concerned on how. But it's not an either-or scenario. It's a both-and scenario. It takes both working together. We need visionaries who hear from God, who can see the overall big picture, and we need the nuts and bolts realists to help mark the path. Decrees and providence work together to accomplish God's purposes. We also can see here clearly the Lord and how he confirms his word. His word does not change. He does not amend it. He does not tell one person one thing and another something different. He doesn't try to make his word more palpable. That the Lord said it in the first place is all the confirmation that we need. And if out of the weakness of our own flesh we need assurances, then what he does is tell us again what he said at first. In conclusion, we can draw much from the narrative on the birth of Samson. It affirms that our God is a sovereign God, that he has assumed responsibility to accomplish his word, and in doing so, he superintends the means to bring about his deliberate ends, taking into account the weak fickleness of creatures. Furthermore, on this side of Calvary, we can see how the birth of Samson looks forward in anticipation to a greater judge, consecrated before birth, who will vanquish all our enemies once and for all. Let us pray. Father, we give glory and honor to you. We thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the assurances that we have. We thank you for your word inscripturated, Father, that you've given it to us in, in a form with which, Father, we can take comfort secure knowing that it's not going to change. Father, we can take comfort in your divine providence and in your decrees. And even though many of us may be viewing the same thing through two different lenses, Father, that, uh, that you have established both. You've established the means and the end. You've made a decree and you've, you, you use providence to work towards that end. I pray that in this passage that we would see the Lord Jesus clearly that we would see you clearly, that our hearts would be raised in worship. In Christ's name, amen.